Well, Merry Christmas. It is a joy to be here on Christmas Eve, just a few hours away for all the young kids who keep, uh, I, I see it just in their face, the, the, the glimmer in their eyes, they get so excited. And my prayer today, as we open up God's Word, my prayer today is that we too will have that awe and wonder of Christmas. I have a few announcements for you. Um, first off, let me just kind of share the kind of midweek schedule. As many of you know, we don't have Wednesday night, the next two Wednesday nights. So our next one will resume on January 10th, and there'll be no life groups on December 31st. I shared with you last week, and I'm super excited about Matthew Jacobs preaching next Sunday, and he will be here, and I know that God will have a word uh, for him to speak and share with each of us. The church offices closed December 26th and on January 1st. So that's just kind of the midweek and, and kind of our schedule. I also want to share with you that throughout the month of December, we have what we call the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. This all goes to the IMB, the International Mission Board. And uh, it, it goes straight to all those who are on the field. It takes about $60,000 for one missionary for the whole year. My prayer is that we as a church would sponsor one for the whole year. And so as you pray over that, um, if you just mark that on your tithes and offerings and you put it in the box in the back, uh, it will go straight to the IMB and the missionaries that are part of each of us as we are uh, supporting them daily. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer and we're going to begin our time of worship. Father, you are so good, and we praise your holy name. And Father, I just thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. As we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. Father, I confess that sometimes we go through this season, and and we just go through all the motions of the season, and we miss the awe and wonder that Emmanuel, God with us, that Jesus stepped down and came to this earth that he would reconcile sinners like me. So Father, I pray today that we would worship you in spirit and in truth, that we would glorify your name, and that as we celebrate this Christmas season, we would remember that it's all about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's all about Jesus. Oh, Father, we love you and praise you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen, and welcome to worship today. Merry Christmas. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, And if you're a guest with us, we'd love for you to fill out the card that's in the seat back pocket right in front of you. And if you'll fill that out and put it in one of our offering boxes at the back of the room, uh, then we'll be able to get you a little bit more information about Luke 418 Fellowship. We do celebrate and we say, uh, remember the gospel together. So why don't you stand and welcome someone around you to Luke 418 Fellowship as we begin to say... Uh, sing, go tell it on the mountain today. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching for
men and women tasked not just to talk about Christ's birth, but his birth, his life, his death, resurrection, and that he's coming back again. Amen? Let's testify to how great our God is this morning. The splendor of the King. Let's sing together. The splendor of the King. Let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. Sing how great, how great is our God. The Godhead three in one. Father, Spirit, Son. Sing it out. The lion and the lamb. The lion and the lamb. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
think about that. The God who created everything, put all the processes in place, knew all the rules, and he said, I'm going to step down and I'm going to save my people according to my own will. He sacrificed himself. That's what we're beholden to today, that we carry with us today, that our God loves us so much that he would give his one and only son and whoever believes in him, that means anyone who believes in him, will not perish but have eternal life. Let's sing this song that says just that. Behold him today. He who was before there was light walked across the pages of time. He who made every living thing behold him. Sing this. He who heard humanity's cry Left his throne to wake as a child He became like the least of us Behold him Son of God, Messiah The Sinners and saints healed the blind, the lost, and the lame. Even now he is in our midst. Amen. Behold him. He who chose a criminal's and sing this, paid with blood to settle our death. Buried death as he rose to life. Behold him, Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the roaring lion. Oh, be still and behold him, Jesus. to read. 
exactly how he came into the world, right? No fanfare, no acclaim, a silent night in Bethlehem in a manger, right? So let's just take a step back and remember that together as we sing Silent Night this morning. You may be seated as we continue in worship. Silent night, holy night, Father, we thank you so much on this Christmas Eve for your son. We thank you for the way that he came. We thank you for those that you chose to raise him, Lord, for Mary and and Joseph uh, saying yes. Lord, thank you for this story that we hold so dearly in our heart, the beginning of our redemption. Lord, we pray that we would see just exactly how you have come for not just the wealthy and the affluent, those that are poor in spirit for the entire world. Anyone that calls on your name can be saved. That is something so wonderful for us today to hold. We pray that we would remember this time with our church family, with our friends, with our our immediate families as well, Lord, that we would hold this gospel in our hearts to be given out freely. Lord, we pray that we would be able to, to display the love that you have given to us on that Christmas morning. We love you, Lord. We give you our praise and everything that we have today. In Jesus' name, amen.
amazing. Aaron, I have to tell you, many of y'all know that uh, on Friday I drove my family up to Leslie's parents. They 
I want to wish all of you a Merry Christmas. I'm actually flying up today to be back with them for Christmas tomorrow. But as I was driving up, I said, you know what? On Sunday morning, we need to sing Oh Holy Night and Stephanie needs to sing it. So I didn't know that she was going to be singing it. So I may have a chance one day to be a worship pastor. Um, That would be a Christmas miracle, wouldn't it? No, actually, Aaron, I'm so thankful for you and how you hear the Lord and and just follow the Lord's guidance. I was very impressed as Aaron was leading worship just a few moments ago. He also fixed the screens in the middle of that with his phone. I couldn't believe it, how he did all of that at one time. Well, I do pray that each of you are having a wonderful Christmas season. You know, uh, today we're going to be in a a little bit of an un a unique passage for this time, for this day. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open up to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. We'll also be talking uh, about the birth of Christ in Luke chapter 2, if you want to kind of flip over there and put your ribbon in there, uh, so that you can flip over later in the message Over the last three weeks, the carols 2023 was Shepherd, Savior, King. And so we have preached and and talked through each of these. Two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus being the Good Shepherd. Last week, we really focused in on the birth of Christ as the angels proclaim that He is the Savior of the world. And today, we're going to be looking at Jesus as King. Now... One of my favorite things to do during this time of the year is to watch Christmas movies. And I began to think just a little bit of what I would consider some of the top Christmas movies. Can I give you my three? If you disagree, you can email me later, okay? But here's my three. One, probably in third place, is Miracle on 34th Street, right? You kind of got to watch it in black and white, right? You just sit there and, and you just enjoy the, the nostalgia of it and just it's a great movie, okay? Second, uh, probably a little bit further away from third, there's a big difference there, I think, is the Santa Claus. Anybody like the Santa Claus? Anybody? One, two, and three. All three are pretty good, right? <clears throat> but then to me, the number one of all Christmas movies, and, and I know some of y'all are going to disagree with me, But I'll give you a line. Santa, I know him. Elf, right? To me, Elf is the greatest Christmas movie of all when it comes, not spiritually, obviously. (laughs) Let me just, let me just give you all that. Um, But you know, all of these movies have an underlying theme. You may not have recognized this, but all of them have this underlying theme and it's that the, the children believe, but the adults, what? They don't. Think about Miracle 34th Street, right? The children believe, the adults struggle with it, right? Even Santa Claus is taken to court, right? You think about Elf, and, and he can't fly the sleigh because of people not believing. And what does Elf say? The best way to spread Christmas cheer I heard that, singing loud for all to hear. I open with this this morning by saying that I feel that sometimes as believers, we fall in that same category. 
I think that sometimes as believers, we can lose the awe and wonder of Christmas. As we grow older in our knowledge and understanding, it becomes just a season of time where we're rushed from here to there to do this and to do that, to go to this Christmas party, to go to that Christmas party, to buy this gift. The traffic is terrible. And I just wonder, I just wonder if sometimes we miss the awe and wonder of what Christmas is all about. You know, I think that this is why Jesus even says in Matthew 18, verse 3, he says that we must become like what? Little children, or you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Think about the faith and the belief that little children have. So my prayer today, as we look at God's word, is that we would recognize that Jesus is king before his birth. That Jesus is king at his birth, and that Jesus is still the eternal king of kings and lord of lords. As we do that, I I, want to just look through Philippians 2, and we're going to look at some of the attributes of Jesus, of God, the triune God. And I pray that we just get overwhelmed this Christmas season. Philippians 2, and I pray you'd follow along in your word today. As I always share with you, this is God's word. Go home, read it, and allow the Lord to continue to speak to you as we open it. It says this in verse 5, Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth. And under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. And we praise your holy name. And Father, I pray that today that your name would be glorified. As we celebrate tomorrow, but really every day, the birth of Jesus, the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. May we be overwhelmed today just by who you are. Now, Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory. Illuminate the pages today by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in your name. Amen. The first thing I want us to see is in verse 6. It says that he, Jesus, existed in the form of God. So the first point, as I told you earlier, is that Jesus was king prior to his birth. Now, I want to just kind of take you on a journey for a moment. He existed in the form of God. This is the triune God. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so let's just go on a journey for a moment. And let's look at some of the attributes of who God is. Now, I have been reading this book. And and I don't often. I did share with you all a book over the summer. But None Greater by Matthew Barrett. 
phenomenal book on the attributes of God. It has been wrecking my world, like getting my, like falling on my face before the throne of God. And we're going to read some of those passages today. And in this book, it just kind of unpacks these different attributes. The first attribute that I want you to see about who Jesus is, who the triune God is, and that is that he has always been. Jesus, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the triune God has always been. He has not been created. Think about this for a minute. If God had been created, then there would be one greater than him. The one who would have created God. But God has not been created. He has always been. He always will be. And John chapter 5 verse 26 speaks very clearly of this. For just as the Father has life in himself. In himself. God has life in himself. He's never been created. He will always be And he will be for eternity. It says then even so he gave the son also to have life in himself. Jesus has always been. God has always been. And when I speak of God I'm going to talk about the triune God here. God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not only do we recognize that the triune God has always been. But we see even Jesus in the creation account. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, let who? Us. When he speaks of this word, us, who is he speaking of? The triune God. Jesus was there at creation because he's always been. Not only that, but Colossians 1, verses 15 through 17 speaks of this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him. This is Jesus. And for him, he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Church, may we recognize that the triune God, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, has always been. So how do we know the attributes of this triune God? I think that we must have a disclaimer here. First is is that we're finite and he's infinite. We must have a disclaimer that he is creator and we are created. Which means that anything that we're able to understand or know about God will not even scratch the surface of who he is. If God is infinite, if his attributes are infinite, if you can't measure God, which we can't, then even just a little information, a little knowledge about who he is, is simply scratching the surface of this infinite God. I think that we also have to understand that if God is infinite, if he's always been, if he is who he says he is, then we must recognize the only thing that we are going to know about God is that which he reveals to us. Which means we don't need to sit here and say, oh, I know all these attributes about God. I know all this. And get all pious in our understanding. We must recognize that it's only through God's revelation that he allows us to know. And how does he allow us to know? By his word. By opening his truth. I love how Matthew Barrett in this book, None Greater, gives this example. He says... 
God speaks to us like a parent speaks to an infant or a baby. Think about this for a moment. I thought this was a great example. When a baby is born, the dad or the mom who's holding it will start, you know, speaking baby talk. I won't try to emulate it. The baby doesn't know exactly everything that the parent is saying, but the baby's able to receive some of the information by their expressions, by their tone of voice, by the way that they're speaking to them. And so God speaks to us in some ways like this, that we are able to be able to see a a glimpse, a piece of it, but not the totality. So who is this triune God? What are his attributes? He's always been. The scripture also says that he is infinitely powerful. Psalm 147, 4 and 5 says he counts the number of the stars. He gives names to all of them. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. Jesus, who was king before he came to earth, was infinite and powerful and unmeasurable. Even Paul, in his prayer, says, I pray that you would be able to grasp that which is immeasurable. And that is his power. Not only is he all-powerful, but he's infinitely wise. As it says at the end of Psalm 147, verse 5, his understanding is infinite. Romans 11, 33 through 34, great, or excuse me, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning. Psalm 139, he says that he knows every bit of our life before we even live the first day. Church, God is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He has never been created. He always will be. Not only that, but he's infinitely big. Isaiah 40, verse 12, who has measured the waters, talking about God, in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by span and calculated the dust of the earth by measure and weighed the mountains in balance and his hills in a a pair of scales. Church, do we realize that God is, he's always been, he's all-powerful, he is all-knowing, he's infinitely uh, big, and he's always been here. Church, do we recognize that he's holy, sinless, perfect? I'll tell you one who did recognize that. Isaiah recognized that. In Isaiah 6, the famous passage, as he saw the Lord, and and what did it say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And when Isaiah recognized God's holiness and his sinfulness, he said, woe is me. Woe is me. Church, Jesus, this is who he is. This is who the triune God is before he came to earth. But can I also tell you, and this is something that we need to hear sometimes, is that God 
The triune God is perfectly satisfied in himself. God does not need us. Now, he loves us, and he chose us, and he calls us by name. You say, David, you mean to tell me God doesn't need us? Yeah, it says this in Jesus' prayer. As he's praying to God in verse 17, verse 5, it says, Now, in John 17, 5, Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And then down at the end, verse 24, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you gave me, for you loved me before the foundations of the world. I think that sometimes when, when, if we get this understanding that God doesn't need us, we recognize how amazing it is that he sent his son on Christmas or what we celebrate at Christmas. So we recognize that this is who God is previous to the birth So let's look at the second part of Philippians chapter 2. It says this in verse 7, But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of man. God, the triune God, infinitely powerful, knowing all things, unmeasurable in his size, always has been, is perfectly content, It says he emptied himself and took the form of a bondservant. What does that mean? This is what we celebrate at Christmas. Let me first say this. When he emptied himself, he did not empty himself of his deity. For Jesus is fully God and fully human. Ultimately, the taking the form of a bondservant, as I've mentioned to you previously, is that Jesus is the glory of God wrapped in human flesh. Still divine. My prayer this Christmas is that you would grasp the fact that the Jesus that we celebrate and, and or praising God that he would come to this earth is the same one that was there at creation. The same one who is infinitely big, the one who is infinitely powerful, the one who is infinitely knowledgeable. That he would come to this earth for you and for me. He's still perfect. He's still never changing. He's still holy and sinless. I love what it says throughout the scriptures Multiple times it says that Jesus was sinless, but I love 1 John 3, 5. It says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is what? No sin. Church, this is extremely important. We have sinned against an infinitely big God, and we deserve an infinite punishment. Think about hell for a second. The scripture speaks of it. How long is it? It's forever. The scripture speaks of this. None of us in our finite condition could ever pay the debt that was required. The only one who could would have to be infinitely perfect. I love what 
Matthew Barron says in his book, it says this, Understanding that we have sinned against the one who is infinite in his perfection is not only scary, but can lead us to total despair. For it is painfully obvious there is no one who can make atonement. Such a person would have to be infinite himself to atone for a sin against an infinite God, to pay sins that deserve a penalty that has no end. In our infinite fallen world, clearly there is no one like this to be found. Have we not sinned against an infinite God? Yes, but the infinite one himself has stepped out of heaven to pay your sin, something that he alone can do. The eternal Son of God took the form of a servant, the image of the invisible God, by whom all things were created in him. And all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and has reconciled himself to himself all things. Has reconciled himself all things to himself. Church, it's because Jesus, fully God and fully man, came to this earth as a baby that the angels could cry out in Luke chapter 2. This is what happened. They, 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 they were there, the, the shepherds were there, and, and in that night, the, the angels could not help themselves but to proclaim what had taken place. This infinite God who has always been has now stepped down and took on human flesh. And the angels suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened, speaking of the shepherds. But the angels said, do not be afraid, for hold, I bring you good news and great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find this, this child, this baby, wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, what happened? The greatest birth announcement of all time. All the angels in heaven, I believe, all the angels in heaven. It says a multitude of the heavenly hosts began to see glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men with whom he's pleased. How are we able to have peace with God? Through his son, who is infinitely good, infinitely perfect, infinitely powerful. I could go on and on about his attributes and not even scratch the surface. Jesus, who's always been and will always be king, he reconciled us through the blood of the cross. The second part of Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says this, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace. Through the blood of his cross. Through him I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. Church, do we recognize that it's because the infinite king of kings and lord of lords clothed himself in human flesh and came as a baby in Bethlehem. That he was truly able to be the perfect sacrifice for we had sinned against and we have sinned against an infinitely big powerful God but that he would come and make a way for you and for me I read to you Psalm 147, five, uh, f- 4 and 5 just a few moments ago talking about how big and how powerful God is but look at what it says in verse 3 it says he heals the brokenhearted 
and binds up their wounds. How is God, how is Jesus able to heal the brokenhearted? Because he is the all-powerful King of kings, the Lord of lords, and he emptied himself, took on flesh, and he came to earth sinless, but clothed himself in our sin upon the cross so that our wounds may be healed. Jesus was king before his birth. Jesus was king at his birth. And praise God, Jesus is king for eternity. Philippians chapter 2 continues on. It says this. It says, Being found made in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death and even death on the cross. And then it says, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Think about this for a moment. The same Jesus who is infinitely big, Infinitely wise, infinitely powerful, never been created, always has been, was there at creation before the foundations of the earth, came to heaven, I mean came to earth, excuse me, died on a cross for you and me, rose again on the third day, and then he has ascended to heaven. And it says, for this reason, God has given him a name above every name. When you look at the Greek, that for this reason also It actually means just and, and this takes place. Sometimes we can look at this for this reason and think, okay, because he did all this, he got the name that was above all names. But I think it goes deeper than that. The reason that Jesus came and the reason that Jesus died and rose again was because of who he is. And it's because of who he is that he walked in obedience to the Father's will. Because he was infinitely perfect, unmeasurable, holy, sinless. The, he, because of who he is, he followed the will of the Father. It says that God gave him the name that was above every name. Jesus ascended to heaven. And you know, the scripture tells us that he's doing two things in heaven right now. One, he is interceding on our behalf. And two, he's advocating on our behalf. Now think about this for a moment. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the same Jesus who came is the same Jesus that is sitting beside the Father and interceding for you and for me. Romans 8 verse 34 says, Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised and at the right, who is at the right hand of the Father and who also intercedes for us. Do you realize that interceding is someone who goes between two parties and makes a case on the behalf of one to the other? Dan Ortherland in his book, Gentle and Lowly, says intercession applies what the atonement accomplished. Intercession is the moment-by-moment application of the atoning work of Jesus. This is what Jesus, the great I Am, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that is doing right now, the same one that we celebrate came, is the same one that is now, on our behalf, interceding before the Father, moment-by-moment applying 
the atoning work. It also says in 1 John 2, 1 that he is our advocate. It says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Again, Dan Ortland in his book says this in comparing intercessory and advocacy. He says, intercessory has an idea of mediating between two parties, bringing them together Advocacy is similar, but has the idea of aligning oneself with another. An advocate doesn't simply stand in between two parties, but steps over and joins one party as he approaches the other. Think about what Jesus is doing today. We celebrate that he came. This is what tomorrow is all about. We celebrate at at Resurrection Sunday that he died and rose again. And now he is your advocate. He is interceding the same one who's always been and will always be. But not only this, but it says in Philippians 2 that he was given a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The same Jesus who was king before his birth, who was king at his birth and is now king eternal. You will one day stand before. For those who have surrendered to the lordship of Christ... They will here come in my good and faithful servant because the righteousness of Jesus has been applied to their life. But for those who have overlooked the Christmas story, for those who have overlooked the the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, for those who just simply say, well, I have church membership or I've given enough or, or, you know, I'm a good person. They will here depart from me. You worker of iniquity. I'm here to tell you that you will bow the knee either now or later. Because the scripture says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same one who was there at the foundations of the earth is the one that you will stand before one day. And because of who he is, you will bow the knee. Church, as we celebrate Christmas, my prayer is that you would be in awe and wonder that a God that we cannot measure, a God that we can't fully know, and you know what, I'm okay with that, because if I could fully know him, he would be no God at all. A God who's infinitely powerful and knowledgeable, he said, I love you and I'm going to put on human flesh and I'm going to invade earth I'm going to come as a humble servant so that you may be set free that you may be redeemed and that when you breathe your last you'll be able to stand Because of his righteousness. Church, the question today is, 
Is Christmas just another day? Hustle and bustle? Or is it the awe and wonder that an infinite God has come? Emmanuel, God with us.